Hello everybody and welcome to the post-WrestleMania edition of the Figure Forecast. As ever, my name is Sam Gardner and I am joined by a very hipster-looking Damien Cross, fresh from a haircut, hairdressers are open this week, glasses on, looking good. How's life treating you, Damien? It's pretty good. I've had a couple of days off uh, post-Mania, so I've been able to get a haircut and just to be clear, these glasses are blue light blocking glasses. I don't now just randomly need glasses, just in case anyone's listening and is confused. But yeah, it's been a good few days. Um, the, the hype from Mania is kind of wearing off a little bit, but you always get that kind of Mania energy when it comes to wrestling, so it's been pretty good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania has definitely took a bit of the, the shine off of WrestleMania, shall we say, and brought us back down to earth. Big time, but we'll talk about that in a little bit later. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, let's just start the show then, I guess. The pay-per-view review. Yeah, How uh, good was go. it to have fans back? It was amazing. Um, I just kind of took it for granted after like the first ten minutes. You just kind of forgot. And wasn't really paying attention so much. It's yeah. just like, it was like they'd never been gone. Um, but when I rewatched bits, like, it's like oh yeah, like the fans being back was something major. Yeah, it was really really cool. It took me sort of ten minutes. I think during the, the Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre match on night one, it sort of took me ten minutes to take my eyes off of the crowd and just invest in the wrestling for a bit because it was just like whoa, this is really surreal. To actually see people in a crowd and not seeing a screen or an empty performance centre. But it was, yeah, it's just really, really cool to see. And the yeah. show, especially night one, really helped uh, sort of get you into wrestling again. And it, it felt like real life. It felt like life was coming back. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, can't really add any extra opinions there. Um, it was weird, kind of, at first, but yeah, it was kind of. Like it's good, glad to be back. And hopefully, it's not too long until fans are back permanently. I know they're not advertising it for the next pay per view, but hopefully, it's uh, only a matter of time before we're getting people in. Permanently. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Shall we uh, discuss night one of WrestleMania then? Well, yeah, let's uh, let's jump straight into our review. We'll start at the beginning of the show. I think it's the the best bet. Um, we'll do a little bit more of a. Speedy review than our uh, our previous kind of pay per view ones. I'm hoping everyone listening has watched WrestleMania because it's the one pay per view a year. If you're a wrestling fan, you should be watching. But night one, it started off a bit weird for me. Obviously, we've got to talk about it. We had that 40 minute rain delay, which was just <laughs> terrible luck for WWE. But the show did go on. Um, we got some great little promos in that opening 40 minutes. Um, Presumably they're all unscripted, uh, and then we 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 started with Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, um, which is it was a good match. I think for an opening match, it was probably the right call out of all the matches on the card, and I I think it was the right decision to have Bobby Lashley retain. Uh, in the predictions, I think you went for Drew to win in front of a crowd, but. There's plenty of time for Drew to win the title in front of a large crowd. This, this Bobby Lashley needed this. They needed a, a big win in his title reign, and 
I was glad to see it. Yeah, it was a good way to start the show. I, I had in my mind that they'd give the fans a feel-good moment, the first match coming back, give Drew the belt, everyone's happy to start, but I'm, I'm not against Bobby Lashley having a long run. Not at all. I like Bobby Lashley. I think what he's been doing over the last few months has been really, really good. Just going back to those... Um, those promos at the beginning of the show, I think it sort of showed you the benefits of having unscripted promos as a whole. You saw uh, Kevin Owens cut a really good promo, I think Seth Rollins did. And then you saw a couple of the other guys like Braun Strowman proving that he is Braun, as Shane McMahon would say. And uh, maybe he's not the most natural, but I don't think it's going to lead to anything unfortunately. But it was just nice to see performance yeah. given a bit given a bit of freedom um but yeah it was a good start to the show it was really really good it's it was um a good match and yeah i can't really add any more than what you said to be honest no uh, so the second match on the card was the tag team turmoil match and this was an odd one it, it kind of felt like the the moment got to a lot of the competitors in this one and there was a few stumbles and things like that, and um, yeah, I just I kind of feel like being back in front of a crowd kind of maybe got to them a little bit because they were it. It was a shame to see, and it did take away a little bit from from the match. Um, obviously, it started. You know, one of them was Mandy Rose kind of slipping, and presumably a bit of a wet <laughs> stage on the way to the ring. Uh, there was a few other. Uh, Stumbles throughout the match. Um, not really sure what kind of had this. This uh, obviously led to a Tamina and uh, Natalia win to go on to face the champions. The, the on night two, based on what happens on night two, was it the right result? I I don't know. It didn't really feel like this entire thing had purpose because the champions ended up retaining and on night two. So. Yeah. I'm not really sure what, what really to say about this match. Um, everyone kind of got a little bit of a display, but it was a bit of a, a bit of a slowdown yeah. of the pace, really, of the night. Yeah, unfortunately, what I said last week on the podcast sort of rang true, where I didn't understand why this was on the card, and the men's tag team uh, multi-man match wasn't on the WrestleMania card. I feel like it would have just fitted much better. It's nothing to do with them being women and the others being men, it's just that the men's tag team match had a build to it, and this one just seemed like a load of random competitors all shoved together in random teams apart from the right squad, and yeah, go out there and do your best kind of thing, and it showed, it was very disjointed and never really got a run, so it's a shame, but like you say, the highlight was Mandy Rose slipping over, which was very amusing, but... Well, for me, the highlight was Billy Kay. Um, she That's was very true. pairing with Carmella, and I don't know if anyone noticed this while watching, but she was mimicking a lot of Carmella's mannerisms and moves and stuff. And at one point, Carmella hit a, I think it's the Bronco Buster, uh, into the turnbuckle. I can't remember who it was on, but for some reason, then uh, Billy Kay just kind of waved her crotch at them, <laughs> like as if she was yeah. doing it as well. But from the position she was in. Her attempt was just to kind of vaguely wave her groin about, which oh, it had me cracking up um, when I noticed it. So <clears throat> a little bit of humour goes a long way in, in wrestling, and that was just a weirdly funny moment. Um, 
but not not too much to say about the match. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, uh, the second match uh, when we get to night two. Um, I think we then picked it up in, prob- in one of the better matches of the night. Uh, Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. Two yeah, tremendous awesome. performers. So this was always going to be a, a good one. Um, Cesaro getting the win. And it feels like they might be giving him a bit of a push. So hopefully that does lead to something. Big yeah, finally. It's... It sort of showed his superhuman ability in the ring, that helicopter spin that he did, without even using his hands to hold Seth Rollins on his shoulders, was was awesome. Seth Rollins doing a corkscrew frog splash, I guess you could describe it as. That's something, like I said to you when we're watching it, I don't think I've ever seen, and it's, it did, maybe didn't look like the most technical move, but I think it's probably harder than it actually looks to do. But it, yeah. it was just fresh, and it looked awesome, and... It's everything you expected from this match, and possibly even a little bit more, I'd say. Both amazing competitors, exciting match, technical match, all leading around the swing, bit of comedy in there. Couldn't get any better for me between these two. Really set up the second kind of half of the show as well, right? Um, yeah. It was a slow build to the event overall, nothing against the first two matches, but this is kind of where... It really started to feel like a mania. We then moved on to the New Day versus AJ and Omos for the Raw Tag Team titles. And I obviously had expected the New Day to retain. I thought there was a little bit more of a, of a story you could tell with that. But WWE went with the more probably the more obvious choice with AJ and Omos winning. Omos looked pretty good. In his, yeah, very good. Yeah, it uh, was Kind of it was dominant good. kind of role. And... Just looking now, it's made AJ Styles the 32nd Triple Crown Champion and 22nd Grand Slam Champion in the WWE, and he's also oh, the wow. only wrestler to win it in both WWE and TNA. So he is a two-company Grand Slam Champion. Yeah, I think it's well deserved as well. He's probably one of the best of our, well, definitely one of the best of our generation in terms of wrestlers. So I really like the way that they built this match as well. AJ starting and and Kofi and and Woods cutting off the ring. They even said halfway through the match, we're cutting off the ring, baby, and it was really good. And the looming threat of Omas being there for Kofi and Woods, and when he finally got in, absolutely destroying both of them. And the pin at the end as well, with just his foot on Kofi's chest. He looked really, really good. I like that big man finisher at the end where he sort of picks them up by the neck and just drops them on their head. I like again. I don't think I would. I would have booked this match any other way. I predicted Omas and Styles to win, and it was just all good stuff. Really, really liked it, and hopefully, they can get a bit of a tag team division going on Raw now because it's been lacking. We'll see what. Well, happens. Hopefully, we'll, we'll see what happens over the next uh, few weeks and so. But very entertaining match. Um, um, but then we'll move on then to a match that we was kind of expecting to be. A bit rubbish, uh, which is the Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon match inside a steel cage. We really kind of thought this wasn't going to be very good, but I was pleasantly surprised by what we got, especially the ending. And I feel like that's what we need to talk about. Shane McMahon getting thrown off of the top of the cage, doing like this crazy flip landing, back bump in the middle of the ring. 
I wouldn't want to do that. So, like, hats off to Shane for doing that one. Yeah, I've seen sure. a lot of bumps, but like flat onto the ring is quite a quite a big bump. Like going to the announce table and stuff, they, they can pad out the the announce table. You've got something to land on, but just flat onto the ring is going to hurt. Um, I've stood in, I'm not in a WWE ring, but I've stood in a wrestling ring, and I, I wouldn't want to drop off of the top of a steel cage onto that. Like. No, no, definitely not. It was the annual let's try and kill Shane McMahon spot, wasn't it, that they do sort of every WrestleMania. Yeah, this yeah. match was a match of two halves. Began pretty meh for me, but as soon as Braun ripped off the side of the cage and lobbed uh, Shane off the top, yeah, that's what I want to see. So that's all I've really yeah. got to say about that match. Yeah, it, it kind of gave you the purpose. moment you wanted to see, and yeah. hopefully we can move on from dumb brawn. Um, but hey, you kind of need those kind of moments at Mania of just that kind of visual moment, and uh, Shane getting thrown off is definitely one of those that you can replay a little bit over the next year for like brawn highlights, and uh, did what it needed to. This is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, the Bad Bunny Damian Priest tag match versus Miz and Morrison. Um, fully expecting this going in to be one of your, your classic celebrity wrestler matches where they hit a splash, they get like the the heel team kind of keep them away from their tag partner for half the match. They hit a few moves and then their tag partner hits their finisher, and you get a win. And that would have been fine. It wouldn't have been too much, but that's kind of what we expected, and really not what we got at all. Um, very few celebrity guests in WWE have kind of taken to a wrestling match as well as Bad Bunny did. Um, Miz and Morrison made him look amazing in this match so hats off to them for making him look as good as he did I don't think we've ever seen a celebrity hit a Canadian destroyer <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think we have I don't think we have it was awesome wasn't it it was just I was c- completely speechless like I was a few seconds ahead uh, when we was watching the, uh, the night one and trying not to give away kind of what was about to happen was quite a challenge because I was just kind of like <laughs> Did I, did I just see that? Like, Yeah, I appreciate you doing that as well. I appreciate <laughs> you doing that. I mean, take away, I think we could probably do a Canadian Destroyer on John Morrison just because his body moves like no one else's I've ever seen. But it, Bad Bunny doing it was awesome. I, I was more positive on Bad Bunny than a lot of the melons on bloody Twitter or the internet or whatever, the interweb. Um, but, yeah... It, it blew away all expectations that I did have. Like you say, it was just epic. And I'll probably put it as the second best match of night one, purely down to the surprise factor of how good Bad Bunny was, how much he committed. And it was just yeah. it was there's, just so good to see. It was just made me happy. There's something I noticed on a rewatch. Um, so a lot of what he did, it does come down to... Miz or Morrison like helping out like things like the Falcon Arrow are an amazing, but there is a lot of work from the receiving wrestler on that kind of move. Same with the Canadian Destroyer. But the one thing that really kind of pointed out to me that he went into this 
knowing what he want, how he wanted to appear and putting the effort, was his crossbody. Because he does a crossbody to the outside and he doesn't hesitate even for a split second. He just climbs up and jumps straight away. And it's... Half the time, wrestlers aren't that, <laughs> that confident about doing it. Yeah. There's... Nia Jax hits a crossbody off the top rope um, on night two and she hesitates for a while trying to like... Yeah, we said this on the night, didn't we? Yeah. Kind of psych herself up. But Bad Bunny, he just climbed and jumped. There was no hesitation and that takes... That takes some some guts, like. It <laughs> to does. Do that. Another thing that I do want to mention is his selling as well. His selling was so good, right? It legit looked like he was in pain, and it put like half of the NXT trainees to shame with the selling that he was doing. He's been training what three months, and he was that good. He's just he just gets it. I think he just gets it. He's clearly yeah. a fan. He knows what he's doing, and that's what happens if you commit. Yeah. Um, hopefully any celebrities that uh, we have in the future I feel like we might be getting a Logan Paul uh, thing in the future hopefully they commit the same kind of effort to learning what they need to do like the selling as well as just kind of the, the way you need to portray yourself in the ring that's really I like Logan Paul stuff. on second night as well I thought he was good we'll get to that but I thought he was good Yeah, he played his role perfectly well but let's get into the main event shall we of night yep. one. A deserved main event, if you take away all the build. These two, as we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, are legit stars. They are at the top of their game. Sasha Banks, I'm going to say it is the best wrestler in, in the world for me. Male or female, I'd put her as the best wrestler in the world. She is incredible. And Bianca Belair is equally as good. It was just everything that I wanted from this match and more. Sasha played the heel perfectly. Bianca played her role perfectly. And that whip of her hair on Sasha, my goodness. It sounded like a gunshot had gone off. I I was feeling a bit tired by then because it had gone four o'clock in the morning. But that made me sit up and pay attention oh my goodness that has to hurt and you saw the the mark on Sasha's side afterwards wow yeah um this it deserved to go on as the main event and they these two have worked so hard um throughout their careers and to whether you think like night one and night two dilute kind of the main event. I don't think it does, but I have seen that kind of argument. But it's still your main main evented WrestleMania. Um, it's uh, the first time two African American wrestlers have headlined a WrestleMania, um, which in itself is uh, it's incredible. A, a, so a good. Moment. Um, and yeah, that that whip. I remember when it happened, thinking, "Oh, how did they?" Have they done that to to not? Because that yeah, that noise was a full on whip, cracking, and then to see that kind of whip mark uh, across yeah uh, Sasha Banks's ribs like that must have hurt a lot. But there is a there's a little clip someone someone shared on Twitter of Sasha sat outside the ring while Bianca is celebrating, and she looks so happy. Yeah, I've seen like, that. Um, it just makes you feel which, happy, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, 
it was a, a great crowning moment for Bianca Bear. Hopefully she gets a, a, a good title reign. In the past, it has been... Has, WWE have dropped the ball with this kind of thing before, but hopefully it's a good title reign. And um, well, There's no excuse. Lot, there's just no excuse no. for there not to be a good title reign with the amount of talent, especially on SmackDown, that they've got in that women's division. It's going to be good. It's going to be really so, good. So before we talk about night two, what were your opinions overall for night one? Just quickly. Amazing. I went to bed feeling so high on the whole show. Yeah, there was sort of a down with that women's turmoil match, but the rest of the show for me was exactly what I wanted. It was just so good. The combinations of fans being back, and as Damien in his expert opinion last week and analysis said, if the matches are good, the show will be good. And he was right. The matches were good, and the show was good. Who would have thought it? Well... Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Um, even though it was nearly five o'clock in the morning here in the UK after the rain delay, um, I went to bed feeling I'd, I, like if that had been the only show, I feel like that would have still been a great mania. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, night two, just before we go through all the matches, I was a little bit less uh, hyped on. It, was, it wasn't. I don't think. It, was quite as good as night one. It did still have some really good moments, um, but I feel like night one was just so high. I'm sorry, it was very difficult to like, compare to. Maybe a couple of the matches should have been switched around a little bit just to kind of balance it out, but uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Let's go yeah. through kind of kind of the matches. We, it started with Randy Orton versus The Fiend, which I was very surprised that it opened the show. And up until the end... Up until the the end of this match, I thought it was great. It did everything I said the Fiend match should do when we was booking it last week. The, the Fiend came out through a box-like structure, as was amazingly called by Michael Cole. Oh, um, How WWE is that? A box-like structure? Uh, he's got... He's gone... Kind oh, of back man. to... He, it, it, the Fiend has been healed. He's kind of got a new attire... And it was very much like a Fiend match has been before, which is kind of what we needed it to be. Um, until the ending, where flames erupted from the corners, Alexa Bliss was sat atop the jack-in-the-box with an evil attire rather than a regular kind of Alexa's playground attire. And she was dripping this black goo from her face, she distracted the fiend, who then got RKO'd and pinned. One, two, three. I still don't know what to make of it, but we were very confused on night one. Um, it was a very weird way to open the show, and the crowd agreed. They were booing that ending. You've, ne- you've not been the, the the biggest fan of the kind of spooky, spooky bullshit, as we've elegantly put it in the past. What, what were your thoughts on this match? No, I like spooky bullshit when it's done right, but for so much of this entire story, it's not been done right, and it just wasn't done right for this match. From the beginning, it was just so stupid, and going back to it as well, rewatching it, reaffirms that even more for me. Randy Orton comes out first, and clearly he sees them building this box thing, uh, and then when Alexa comes down, he has to act shocked. <laughs> There's this massive box 
because it's just appeared. Where's it come from? And Alexa, oh, box-like structure. Oh my god, it just makes my head hurt so much. I didn't mind the fiend popping out of it. That was quite funny. I was laughing. I said to you, please, if they're going to do this just as a straight match, just let the fiend jump off of there and Randy RKO him as he jumps off and just let it be done. I'd happily have that as the finish rather than what we got. We, we've had a six-month six month build for this match. And instead of giving us a Firefly Funhouse or some sort of big spectacle, they give us a five-minute straight wrestling match. It just doesn't fit in with the story for me at all. Not one single bit. And then, so the Fiend's been burnt alive. He's gone through all these things. He's been resurrected. And then he's in a match with chin holds. He has to sell a draping DDT. He has to sell being stomped in the corner. And he gets beaten by one single RKO. When a couple of months ago, he was resurrected from being set alight. So we have to believe now that an RKO is more deadly than burning to death. It just, it was just well, crap for me. It's just crap. Bray Wyatt did try to salvage this story on Twitter. He tweeted out a picture, I believe, of Samson and I think it's Delilah, which is a biblical story where Delilah betrays Samson by revealing that his power comes from his hair. She cuts it all off and betrays him, um, alluding to that Alexa Bliss has betrayed the Fiend in this match and revealed his weakness. So we're going to have to see where this goes. So it is kind of alluded to on Raw that we are going to get a Fiend or should I say Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss feud out of this. Um, it didn't really come across that way on the night. So it, it's a big, a big down for kind of the opening of the show. It's not how you want to open it. The crowd will boo yeah. in. So... Yeah, whatever yeah, they we, tried we... to do for me was crap. And then whatever they, the way that they executed it was even worse. And it was just rubbish. Yeah. Hopefully they just salvage something from it. But I think we'll yeah. move on. Um, it didn't get much better in the next match. No, <laughs> they a, then chose to a really that, bad first that, uh, hour. They then chose to follow up that moment with the Women's Tag Team Championship. And... The crowd were already a bit hostile because of that, which was made this a bit more of a difficult match kind of for them. Um, I really thought they were going to give it to Natalia and Tamina, and the fact they didn't, I feel like the entire tag team turmoil and tag match had no purpose. Nia and Shayna didn't gain anything from it. Did Natalia and Tamina... I mean, Tamina got some amazing cheers. She was really... She did. That was nice to see. Really cheered. So nobody that, is that, meaner than Tamina. That was... It was a babyface turn. Like, they're, they're meant to... I'm pretty sure they're meant to be heels as well. Um, the... what? There is one moment that could have saved this for me. So the ending had Natalia... Um, lock Nijax in the sharpshooter before... The legal woman, Shayna Baszler, came in and uh, made a tap out to the Kurafuda clutch or, or pass out, should I say. This match, I think, could have been saved if Nijax, despite not being the legal woman, had tapped out before Shayna made the save. Because at least then, it makes Natalia and Tamina look strong. It was just the fact they missed the tag. I think that would have saved it. Just a simple moment. 
that they did it with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns a few weeks ago with him making Roman tap, but it didn't matter because the ref didn't see it. And that gave a reason for Daniel Bryan to then be in the main event. It made Daniel Bryan look strong because he beat Roman Reigns, but the ref didn't see it. Why didn't they just do that here? They wouldn't have made the tag champs look... They don't need to be the champions to look strong. They dominate most of the matches. So it would have just given the challengers something out yeah. of this match and given a purpose to the fact that they had two matches on WrestleMania. Yeah. But we got nothing Whilst I, I agree with that, in, in sort of isolation in a match, that would be fine because it continues the story. At WrestleMania, as with the Fiend and match and Alexa, blah, 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 I don't think you should be trying to continue stories into weekly television. I think it should... WrestleMania obviously should be the bookend where feuds end. It shouldn't be some a, a platform to to continue or make stories into Raw for me. So that's that's the only issue I'd have with that. The, the whole match was just pointless for me. I would I would agree that it should be the bookend of stories, but it never is. So yeah. you need to stop pretending yeah, that it, it is the argument of that it should be the, where stories end, but it never is. So I think we need to stop pretending that that always happens because half of the matches on this card are going to carry on those feuds. True. So, True. Um, At WrestleMania this, backlash. Yeah. Where rematches are done. Um, so we then followed that with, once again, the third match of the night being the kind of turning point for the show. Uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Uh, this was ultimately the match that saw me lose the predictions contest. Um, ah, how have we not brought that up yet? Wonderful. Uh, this match was a great match between them. They're Always have great chemistry in the ring, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Um, and Logan Paul's kind of presence didn't really detract too much from it. Twitter was hating on this so much, on his presence so much when uh, this was live. Um, and for me, it was all worth it just for the ending of Owens hitting the stunner on uh, Logan Paul. Um, the match was, was great. I kind of wish Sami Zayn had won just to kind of... Because he always loses. Like, it would have given... Fits into his conspiracy, some, man. It does, but I feel like you could have worked that story with him winning. And like I had, I said, I think, last week that if he wins with a crowd, but when there's no crowd, he always gets screwed over. You can build that in, and that would have been a good yeah. thing. But... And that's just a personal preference, mainly because I booked, I predicted Sami Zayn to win. <laughs> um, but what I will say is Kevin Owens is crowd work after the match. So uh, Logan Paul lifts his arm and he just spends the entire time looking up at the hand and then he keeps looking afterwards. And you, we all know that something's going to happen. You don't put someone in the ring with a wrestler that does a stunner. You saw and all the crowd get, get their stunned. phones out ready, didn't you? Waiting yeah. for that stunner. Um, but he dragged that moment out like perfectly to kind of bait the bait, bait you into thinking it wasn't going to happen. And a somewhat unique selling of the stunner. I don't think I've seen someone sell it in that way. Uh, 
least nothing springs to mind. He does kind of like a flip forward and lands face down uh, in yeah. the ring. So I've seen people liking it to being electrocuted, floundering like a fish. Either one's good for me. It was it was good. Yeah. And to all uh, those it did people, did make me laugh. That... Go on. I was say it did make me laugh as it transitioned out of the match of uh, just hearing um, Logan Paul be like. Ow! Why did he do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, to all those people on Twitter that were lamenting that's being kind, Logan Paul's involvement in this match, they can go and suck a big fat dong. Because I thought <laughs> I thought he was good in it, man. I thought he's been good in this whole story. He's played his part really well. His facials, when there was a big move in the match, were great. And he, I think at one point he sort of slumped into his chair. And then at the end of the match, that's what we're all waiting for. Logan Paul to get stunned. He took it like a champ. Job done. Here's your paycheck. Well done, everyone goes happy. Yeah. And if it brought any extra attention to WrestleMania, I think, I think WWE will be happy as well. So then the next match, this is the match that secured your victory because we could have drawn, but uh, um, you did win the predictions. Uh, Riddle versus Sheamus. I feel that most of the, there's not really too much to talk about in the match, but we've got to talk about the ending. Uh, a mid-air bro kick to a moonsaulting riddle was so unexpected. We've seen things done before. I'm sure, uh, if I remember correctly, Ricochet and Adam Cole did a yeah in NXT moonsault kind of super kick spot. Um, this was like the heavyweight this, version. Yeah, it was just as shocking. Didn't expect it to happen, and it looked that looked like it hurt because it split Riddle's lip open. You see him like kind of sat hunched up against the ropes afterwards, and it looked like he took that on the chin. Um, so, I mean, Riddle's a former MMA fighter, so he's he's taken hits before he knows kind of how to do it, but still, it's not the sort of thing you need to, to do in WWE, but fair no. play for him to... Yeah, there was a, there was a big like, yeah, knee as well spot. earlier on in the match, where Riddle flipped over the rope, and Sheamus just kneed him in the chops as well, which looked brutal. But yeah, it was yeah. just hard-hitting, everything you'd expect from these two. I finally got what I wanted, Matt Riddle to get his head kicked into Rose Ed. Took a, a few minutes longer and a really good match in between, but exactly what I wanted and Seamus 100% deserves it for the, the work that he's done over the last year during the pandemic era he's been consistently top draw and he deserves to to be acknowledged for that so good on him so the fifth match of the night was the first ever Nigerian drum fight which is just a no holds barred match but with African drums surrounding the ring um, they weren't even used, really. No, I believe the gong was used, but I don't think famous the in Nigeria. Were. The gong. <laughs> I I don't know what to uh, make of this match. Um, it was a great match watching it. Uh, the ending was a bit kind of out of nowhere um, for me. Um, it looked like Biggie was about to win after uh, Apollo Cruz. Frog splashed himself through a table. Uh, then Biggie hit the big ending and was like, "Oh, okay, that's it. That's that's it." And it was a good match. Up until that point, hard hitting, some kendo yeah. stick shots, kind of what you'd expect from a no holds barred match. 
before uh, Dabakato came into the ring, choke slams Big E, and he's aligned himself with Apollo Crews. Um, so that's obviously going to be a, the Apollo Crews story going forward. Don't know too much about Dabakato. Well, he was in. Uh, he's been NXT for a while, and then he was in the infamous Raw Underground, wasn't he? He was sort of the big yeah. guy in Raw Underground. And unfortunately, tell- I didn't get to watch a lot of Raw Underground. It was before I had BT Sport, so right. I was only kind of watching the highlights at that point. So, well, maybe you and Michael Cole were the same because that's the bit that really annoyed me in the match. Michael Cole going, "Oh my gosh, who's this big guy that?" We've seen on our TV for three months last year and was drafted in the last draft, but I have absolutely no idea who he is. It's that classic WWE thing, treating us like idiots. That really bugged me. But I liked the match, and I liked the fact that Apollo cheated because it just builds into his character a little bit more. It was, Although I predicted Big E to win, I think I'd let my heart roll my head a little bit because I think it is the right decision to allow Apollo to have the title. If he'd lost, he would have absolutely no credibility losing like four times in a row to Big E. And if it means Big E transitions into the main event picture a bit more later down the line, come SummerSlam, I'm down for that. Give me it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can expect big things from both of them. Hopefully this sto- this is one of those stories that is kind of put to bed there and we don't carry that on, but it is called WrestleMania Backlash, so uh, yeah. who knows. WrestleMania Rematch, maybe. Be more fitting. Yeah. Um, so the penultimate match of the night, uh, and I wasn't I wasn't expecting to the the, the last two matches as, to be both kind of big matches. Normally you have like a little bit of a filler match, but we didn't get that this time. We our penultimate match was the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. Kind of what we expected, although I was a little bit worried at one moment that Asuka was just going to win. But we kind of we we all wanted Ripley to win because otherwise you just kind of wasted her potential straight away. But she did get the win. A good back and forth match. Both looked quite strong uh, throughout, which is always a good thing with booking. If both people come away looking strong and you get the right result, like you've accomplished everything you need to. Um, and for, it's gonna, for a lot of people, it's going to be one of like the first showings for Rhea Ripley. She's had some moments, obviously, on, on Raw, but for the majority of people, it's going to be her her kind of first big impact uh, scene, and she looks good. So let's hope that we don't drop the ball there. because she, Yeah, I bloody hope not, because she is a star, and I'm glad that she got the entrance that she got as well, because it just made her look, like I say, an absolute yeah. star. And I always love that live entrance. Big E got it as well with Wale. Wale? Yeah. Wale. However the hell you say it. I'm very white. But Big E got it. <laughs> got that entrance as well. And I just love the live performance at WrestleMania. It just makes it feel massive. Massive like Big E's yeah. chest. But yeah, it, it, um, it highlighted all the good things from Rhea Ripley. Made her look really good. Right decision to give her the belt. I feel for Asuka. I hope she gets a little bit of time off of TV for a while. Just so that when she comes back, she's just fresh. And they can give a bit of time, a bit of thought into what they actually want to do with her. Because they've just made her sort of... She felt like she was coasting for a while. And it's no fault of her own. She's really, really good. 
and it's just the stories that they gave her, or lack of, if you want. So I hope she has a little bit of time off TV, comes back feeling fresh and and ready for it. I feel like she is a performer that could really benefit from switching brands. Yeah. Sending her over to SmackDown, she's got a few new people to feud with. Um, I don't think I think WWE do the draft in October time. It's yeah, it's like September when WWE do the draft, and I think I we spoke about this last year. Survivor series, isn't it? That it should really be shortly after Mania, so that you can set up new stories rather than just before Survivor Series when everyone's going to face each other and pretend to have brand loyalty. Um, Exactly. (laughs) But hope for me, I kind of hope that WWE do a little like mini draft, like a like a trade. And I feel like Asuka going to SmackDown could be a, a big benefit for her. There's a few people that benefit from that, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about the main event. Uh, the triple threat match between Edge, Daniel Bryan, and the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. Um, a great match to end the show. Not the result we was expecting, but the match had enough drama to kind of see out the show. We fully expected to see either an Edge or Daniel Bryan victory. We both predicted Daniel Bryan, but Edge felt like a strong possibility. Um, and ultimately, we saw Edge, uh, sorry, we saw Roman Reigns pin both men to win, uh, to retain the title. Didn't see that ending happening. It, it was after both had received a concerto, so doesn't make I don't think it makes them look weak. That is a injury style. That is a move that people hit when they're trying to injure yeah. Brian uh, Sullivan so as well. It, awesome. Um a few highlights throughout the, the match was Edge and Roman Reigns hitting both hitting the spear on in each other at the same time. Um we've seen that attempted before, but this one actually worked and was a, a cool spot and uh, Edge locking a crossface on Roman Reigns and then Daniel Bryan stopping him from tapping out by putting the yes lock on him at the same time was and then very weird but well yeah it was very weird but quite it was awesome. a unique moment um, I don't know how either of them expected to win at that point there's no way that Roman could have tapped even if he'd wanted to um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed kind of the match. Didn't get the result I wanted, but you know, didn't doesn't really take anything away from it. Great, great way to end the show, I think. And it is a story they are going to be continuing. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, but someone tweeted out to say, "Well, Daniel Bryan was at the bottom of the pile. Edge was on top of him, so Edge pinned Bryan. Edge should be the champion." Um, and uh, Adam Pearce responded to it, and then the referee responded to it, saying that I made the decision, what I say goes is final, before Adam Pearce saying, you need to come see me on Friday to talk about it. So they are going to touch on this kind of ending as being a little bit divisive. I didn't really think of that when I was watching it. it well, I've been, oh, like Edge should have got, oh, got the win. But that is a that is a fair point. And if they are going to build a story out of this, I'm all for that because 
although we've mentioned that you like to see the stories end, I feel this is a story that deserves to kind of carry on because there's a lot more that we can get out of these uh, these yeah. interactions. So, Look, I've got three things to say about this. Firstly, after the start to this show, it needed a colossal main event, and that's exactly what it got. It lived up to every hope and aspiration I had for it. Secondly, another spot in the match, which was just mind-blowing and awesome and incredible, was Edge doing a crossface on Roman Reigns with a chair leg that fell off. I don't know if the chair leg was planned to fall off or not, but either way, he pulled a crossface on Roman Reigns, put the chair leg in his mouth, and Reigns' facials from that. It was just so cool. And thirdly, I have Roman Reigns retaining his title until next WrestleMania. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out there now. I believe that's gonna happen. Where is next year's WrestleMania? Texas. And who's been advertising next year's WrestleMania? A certain Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold's return. Roman Reigns faces him. Roman Reigns beats him and then retains the title to the following year's WrestleMania. So he holds it for nearly three years. And where's ne- next year? Uh, 2023's WrestleMania. It's in Los Angeles. Who is the biggest Hollywood star of them all? It's a certain Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Roman Reigns' cousin. It's going to happen. I'm going to say it's going to happen. He's retaining that title that long. You think he's going to hold the title all the way to WrestleMania 39. That's what I want to happen. A two and a half year title reign will be a very difficult thing for WWE to pull off. Um, I don't. They they've pulled off some long title reigns. They've had a few in NXT and Walter in NXT UK has held that title for ten years, about two years I think. <laughs> but they are not main card WWE. And the Walter one is kind of because NXT UK stopped during the pandemic. But I don't have faith in WWE's ability to book a two and a half year title reign without it getting stale. But if they can do it, I'm all for it. But I definitely don't see him facing Stone Cold at next year's WrestleMania. <laughs> like, I don't think there's a chance of that happening. Mm, I mean, it could be done. And... I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. In that Chris Jericho interview, there was sort of a flicker in there. Chris Jericho mentioned something about um, not... Uh, sorry, Stone Cold asked Jericho, oh, when did you see yourself retiring? And Jericho said, oh, well, you always told me, Steve, that whenever you think of yourself as a parody or something like a shell of yourself, that's when you need to stop. And when you look back, you look at Stone Cold's face when Jericho says that, and there was just a sort of glint in his eye that kind of said to me, one more match. <laughs> He's in such good shape. He's probably in better shape than when he was wrestling. I think it could be um, done. And if it's ever going to well, happen, it's going to be next year's WrestleMania. Texas, full stadiums, touch wood. <laughs> oh, man. It could happen. It, it could. I just don't really see it myself, but... Hey, if it if it can be done and can be done safely, or that he's got a bit of a injury issue, and um, I'm all for it. I, I wouldn't say no to a, a Stone Cold Roman Reigns match 
That is a that is a that is one for the fantasy bookers. That is that is a wet dream. Is what that is. It's the only so, way it can be described. We've talked a long time about WrestleMania, um, but what is your opinion overall for both nights? Where does this sit? Do you reckon in terms of WrestleManias? Both main events up there for best WrestleMania main events that I can remember. They were just both really, really good. In terms of the shows itself, I think my opinion's a little bit skewed because of the significance of it with fans returning. But I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. There was a couple of blips in there with Fiend Bollocks and the, the women's turmoil thing. But as a whole, excellent. I loved it. I, I'm sad that it's over. I think it's a, a top-tier mania for me. It, it was missing that one special something um, to, to really put it up there with the, some of the best ever. Um, but, yeah, it was def, definitely a, a top-tier mania. Um, and because I lost the predictions contest, I will be watching every single WrestleMania over the next... Nine weeks, I think it is four a week minimum. Um, that's going to be terrible because there's not a lot of time <laughs> free at the best of time. So, oh, I'm great! I'm so happy that I won this one. I'm not entirely sure how the review process will go for a video because I'm not just going to record myself watching a hundred hours of wrestling. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see that. Um, I so think what I'll, you're going to have to do is take a picture of yourself in front of the screen with it on and write a little re- review of it on Twitter. Yeah, I think I think we'll do some Twitter reviews and uh, maybe to, to end it, I will rank every single WrestleMania based on my opinion of which one was best and have a... a a th- one to thirty-seven rank, and we'll maybe we'll make a video out of that. Um, but yeah, that was our WrestleMania review. It certainly if you've got was. Any different opinions? You can let us know. We'll give you the socials at the end. Uh, but let's move on to the rest of the show. Wrestling news. Well, this is a new segment uh, for the podcast. We're going to be covering some of the wrestling news each week. We kind of keep up with everything on Twitter, but you guys listening may not, so we're kind of going to give you that information. Unfortunately, we have to start this week on a big negative for news, as nine WWE superstars have been released from their contracts. We had it last year on the same day, actually. It was the 15th of April last year as well, and that was dubbed... Black Wednesday has been a really dark day in, in wrestling, and unfortunately we've had the same this year. I will just run down some of the names that have been released, who we don't know where they're going to turn up, but nowhere in the next 90 days as it is, I believe, confirmed that all of these have no-compete clauses. Uh, but the names are Mojo Rawley, Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, Kalisto, Tucker, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, and then the big ones... Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Samoa Joe. Now, kind of, what were your thoughts on the, on this, Sam? Yeah, for me, it wasn't so much the names that were released. It was that 
a company that has made record-breaking profits for the last two years and have just made over 300 grand on selling essentially Undertaker gifts that we saw advertised at WrestleMania have uh, released nine people in the middle of a pandemic and cited budget cuts as the reason. It's just an absolute joke to me and it's really put me off watching the whole product. I haven't watched either of any of the shows from WWE this week because it's just left a really sour taste in my mouth. They've got a really good way of coming off of the hype from WrestleMania on such a high and then you get this massive kick in the nuts. I just I feel massively for all the people involved and it, it sucks big time. I know there's arguments out there about oh, people always complaining WWE are hoarding talent and like keeping them from working elsewhere. That's not the argument, man. They're releasing people in the middle of a pandemic. Like, yeah, these people might be better off than you, but they're still not being able to earn any money in the middle of a pandemic. It's not like AEW could scoop up all of them. Well, they will. They're stuffed to the brim with talent as it is. So it sucks. It sucks big time. And like I say, it's really left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I I agree to an extent with with uh, kind of your, your feelings there. Um, obviously, I got let go from a job last year during a pandemic. So kind of... Yeah. That's true. Kind of get where that feeling comes from of all of a sudden just not knowing where your next paycheck's going to come from. It's going to suck for all of the uh, wrestlers there. <laughs> it's not something new for WWE to release talent post-Mania. Last year was the big one. Uh, I think there was like 30-something, including behind the, the scenes. It wasn't just wrestlers. Um, but they've kind of done it every year. In fact, we we tweeted out a uh, a little snippet of a CM Punk promo where he was criticising them for releasing superstars, and that was 10 years ago. The fact that they released some superstars, I, I know it is during a pandemic, but I do kind of get that you can't, you can't keep everybody in your talent pool. You've got to make way somewhere. Most of the people that got released haven't been on TV in months. Weeks. They're, not, they're not being used, and... I feel like although they've got the 90-day no-compete clause, it's going to be better for them if they can then go off to another pro, promo, uh, promotion. It's going to suck immediately, obviously. You've just lost your job. But we've seen loads of tweets from previous release superstars kind of, kind of pointing that point out of don't think of this as a negative. Think about it as the next step to being able to do something else. So many that got released last year have gone on to do some great things in other promotions. And you you kind of hope that most of these, if not all of these, will be able to achieve kind of similar success. There's a lot of uh, promotions that are having success at the moment. Um, the big ones, obviously, are AEW, Impact, and uh, New Japan are the kind of forefronts. But there's, there's a lot out there at the moment. So you would hope they... Um, they could do it. Same budget cuts is a terrible thing. Like as as you went through there, like record profits for the year. Like yeah, that's the thing that really grates on me. Budget cuts. If you're gonna release people, just say, literally, we've got nothing for you at the minute, and we don't see a future. Don't fucking call it budget cuts. As as I, as I said, the the three that kind of stuck out to me were Samoa Joe, Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce. 
just because they have been featured recently. So the other names on the list, um, I think Chelsea Green's on NXT, which I haven't been watching, so I don't know uh, how she had been used. But all, the other names have kind of been... Well, off. just going to Chelsea Green for a minute, she's been really unfortunate. She hasn't really had a chance to have a run. She got injured in NXT and then was back. And then, she, if you remember, I think it was beginning of this year, maybe towards the end of last year, she debuted on SmackDown and she broke her arm in a multi-woman match and then instantly was injured again. So she hasn't really chance so it's a strange one for me that she was released because she like I say she hasn't had a chance she's really young and in impact and wherever she's worked she's shown really good potential so it's an odd one I forgot about that Smackdown uh that Smackdown moment it was kind of a a weird kind of story because she got injured it kind of got swept away like I'll pretend this didn't happen um but kind of Tucker, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, uh, Wesley Blake, and Mojo Rawley have not been on TV much or featured prominently in a story in quite a while. So, kind of to be able to get out and go work somewhere else may be a good thing. Um, hopefully, they're financially secure enough to get through the 90 day no compete. You'd imagine most of them are, but. I just want to go back to some of the people that were released. Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, tag team that WWE split up. Yep. Tucker was in a tag team that was massively over with Otis, split up. Kalisto, in a tag team, or a trio, Lucha House Party, split up. Wesley Blake was in another trio. It was split for different reasons, but for the majority of them, they're in tag teams that WWE split up and then seem to have absolutely... Zero plans for them afterwards. And you're just like, well, you're letting these people go because, yeah, they've not been on TV. Maybe they're not the most over people. But a lot of them were over, especially the Iconics. Yeah. Massively over. Probably the best women's tag team. You split them up, had zero plans whatsoever for them. And then you're, you're releasing them and going, yeah, well, we, we had nothing for you. Or you're sort of not really doing the job at the minute. Shut up, you... Well, I really want to swear, but I can't swear too much. <laughs> the the Iconics was a, a big shock. Um, obviously, they, they got split up and kind of were in limbo. It seemed like they had a plan for Peyton Royce. I think that was the idea behind them splitting up, is she was going to get a singles push, which I guess never materialised, as we can now see. Um, her promo... It was on like Raw Talk a few weeks ago of, about her potential. Now, just is it, it's a brutal thing. Like a couple of weeks later, after that, and she's out the door. Is it does seem a bit coincidental, doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah. she's trying to get herself over, saying she's not being used as, as well as she should be, without saying that, and then she gets released. Um, mm. And Billy Kay has been a highlight of SmackDown for a number of weeks. Um, and her entire gimmick has been about trying to find work effectively. That's the gimmick yeah. they gave her. Of, You're going to go around with your resume and try and get someone <laughs> to partner up with you. And then a week, well, less than a week, a few days after Cruel she succeeds irony, in doing that, it? they go, and... Go and put those skills to use, right? Because you don't have a job anymore. Very cruel irony. Um, but it, it's weird because she was one of the highlights of WrestleMania and probably the only good thing of that whole women's tag team turmoil 
elimination, yeah, whatever the hell it was. She was literally the only good thing. It's just, oh man, and I just feel like smashing my head against the wall. And another reason this kind of was a problem for me wasn't even something to do with the releases. Now, if you have to make releases, okay, you've got to do it. Let's say there was no other way, no other thing. They had to release them. I don't like the fact that they sent Charlotte Flair out on Raw to give this whole promo. I don't know if you've if you've seen it, but she gives this gave this whole promo this week about you say you say I take away um, opportunities from other wrestlers. No, I make the opportunities, and that she's not gonna kind of care anymore. She's going, I'm going back to heal Charlotte. She's like she's gonna get what she wants. and you've released. Well, especially Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, but four female wrestlers who never got an opportunity, like, two days later. Like... Wow, yeah. Like, I know she was meant to be a heel, but that is such bad taste to go put someone out to say that. Because they knew. They knew who was getting released. Like... Yeah, seems a little bit coincidental, doesn't it? A bit too close to home, that like they They want Charlotte to be booed, but not that way. Yeah. We do need to talk about Samoa Joe. Um, I do feel he might yeah, be a slight definitely. different category to some of the others here because he has been on commentary for about six months now, I think. It's been a long time since he's wrestled. And it has been it has come out, um some of the kind of insiders and stuff have been talking about. It. Apparently WWE didn't think he would ever be cleared to wrestle again. They weren't going to medically clear him. The timing is terrible. He was great at WrestleMania. Um, but obviously on commentary. And then he got replaced. I kind of expected him to show up on Raw or SmackDown as like a new challenger. you got to feel if he wants to wrestle. And WWE aren't going to clear him. That this has to be a good thing in the long run for him. Because... I reckon he could he could go to any of those top promotions we've mentioned. Um, Impact, AEW, New Japan, Ring of Honor. Um, Easily. He could walk in and have a top feud because the eyes will be on him. He's got the in-ring talent and he can cut amazing promos. Um, there is a story written for whatever company want to pick him up come July 14th. Especially the case of Samoa Joe and the Iconics. As soon as July 14th come, their phone is going to be ringing non-stop. Absolutely, no doubt. But yeah, Samoa Joe could literally walk into any single company in the entire world and be the top man there or do any job that he wanted because he's that good. It's just such a shame that we never got to see it. him work to his strengths completely on the main roster. Yeah. There was glimpses of it on NXT, but yeah, it's, it's just a crying shame. Like, do you remember the the promo that he had with Brock Lesnar? Yeah. When Lesnar was champion, and he, he said something along the lines of, oh, don't look over there, look at me, look at me in the eyes when I'm talking to you, or we can settle this right now. So he's like, damn, man, yeah. this guy could be the top heel in the whole company. It's just that good. He has a, an intimidating presence, a look that's fairly unique there's not many guys that kind of have his build so that kind of makes him stand out and yeah like it's a it's a shame wwe didn't 
let him be his best, but hopefully now he can he can go somewhere. I think if I had to put money on where he would go, I would say either Impact or AEW, because there's that kind of connection between the two companies at the moment. I don't know which one he would end up at, but I feel like he could quite easily get involved in that kind of storyline if yeah. it's still continuing. Yeah, then the iconics. Absolutely. I hope they get put together wherever they go. But I don't know what you'll call them. Iconics is a WWE trademark, so you just drop one of the eyes. <laughs> Do you give them a name? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, they work. I don't know if they trademarked what they called themselves in NXT. I've never actually referred to it by the context, I don't think, but they're called the Iconic Duo. Yeah, in NXT, maybe. they made like their own shirts and stuff on Instagram, so they could do that. That's a yeah. I'd, I'd love, I'd love to see Samojo, Samojo in AEW. I'd absolutely love to see that. I think it's the perfect fit, and because of obviously Peyton Royce's connections with Sean Spears, they're married. I say connections, they're married. <laughs> who uh, is in AEW? I, be- <laughs> I believe. Uh, that's a strong contender for the Iconics to go to as well, AEW, which I'd be absolutely for. I obviously don't watch much AEW, but um, is the kind of the iconic something that would fit well within kind of the women's division on on AEW? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their their women's division was sort of lamented for quite a while as being really weak and not very well booked, but over the last two three months. It's really, really getting stronger. You've got Britt Baker in there. You've got Hikaru Shida. You've got Jade Cargill who's coming up. Red Velvet, just to name a couple of them. And the Iconics would be a really good addition to that. They haven't really got any women's tag teams in the company. So I don't know if the tag team would work. But sort of a a dynamic where Peyton is more of the wrestler. Let's be honest, she is a little bit better in the ring than Billy. Where, where Peyton's sort of the main wrestler and Billy's kind of a manager, kind of a tag team partner at the same time. I feel like that could really work in the company. And she could be like one of the top stars there. So yeah, I could see it working big time. Well, I think that's kind of all we can kind of say about this. All nine, ten, I can't count, um, of those wrestlers, are, they've, they've all had memorable moments in WWE. Some a few more than others, but... We we wish them the best wherever they, they end up, and uh, hopefully we don't have to report on any more releases. We did leave this a couple of days just to see if any more were added to the list, but hopefully that's it. Next week we can bring some positive wrestling news to this new segment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, we do have a little bit of positive news this week. I know we I didn't discuss it with you before this, but there's a light in the dark. And that is both NXT and especially AEW's ratings this week. So they, this is the first week where NXT has moved to Tuesday. So they have Tuesday, sort of the light shone on them, and AEW are on Wednesday. So they have no competition. And on Tuesday, NXT did, I think, 800,000, maybe 880 or something like that, which is a really good figure. It's sort of the top level figure that they were getting on Wednesday. So... That was impressive. And then the news came out that AEW on the Wednesday did 1.2 million viewers, which is the second highest in its its history, I believe. I think the highest may have been its first ever show. But that is just sort of higher than anyone would have ever expected, I think. 
Yeah. And it's not too far off the viewership that Monday Night Raw is getting. I think Raw is at 1.7, 1.8 at the minute. So it's impressive. You might. And it was a good show. It deserved it. Yeah, um, that's pretty good numbers. You might imagine those numbers might uh, adjust slightly over the next few weeks as there's bound to have been some people that didn't hear about the Switch. So there's probably some that didn't tune in on Tuesday for NXT that maybe would have. And perhaps some that went to watch NXT on Wednesday are like, oh, it's not on, I'll watch AEW. So you're probably going to find some kind of fluctuation in those numbers. But a, a roughly a million views each is is good news. Yeah, time will tell, but it's, it's all good news. Eyes on wrestling products, no matter what it is, it's all good. More people watching wrestling, the better. Yeah. Let's just briefly mention... Friday Night Smackdown, where I haven't actually watched the show, as I, I mentioned, but Pat McAfee is now on commentary. Is it full-time role, or is it just a one-off um, with Michael Cole? I didn't really address it too much, but I feel like it's full-time. Because obviously there's a new commentar- commentator sorry, on Raw as well. Um, who... who I heard was a bit of a duck out of water. A little bit, but I kind of enjoyed that to an extent. A little bit of the not like the his commentary was good. His kind of following of WWE could do with a bit of work, but I reckon that's a positive because it's kind of the um, the unknown. The the new viewer might yeah get to it. He, he's asking the questions that uh, your regular viewer kind of might not know, which. Could be a positive. Um, we'll see how it goes long term. But I kind of enjoyed yeah. it on on Raw. I haven't watched enough of SmackDown at the time of recording to kind of comment on Pat McAfee as a commentator. But he's pretty good so far. At least with the Raw dude. I think it's called Adnan something. Apologies. If for whatever wacky reason he's listening to this. I don't know your name, dude. Because I didn't watch the show. At the very least, it's a new voice. And it's not one of the sort of pot of WWE commentators recycled. I feel a bit bad for Tom Phillips. Quite, quite liked him. He seems to have just been binned off to do WWE specials. But never mind. But yeah, Pat McAfee, I loved everything he did in NXT. So it's cool. positive him being on the main roster for me. Well, talking about Pat McAfee is a great opportunity for our transition into our final segment of this episode. Question of the week. So indeed, it is the question of the week. And I have the honour, the responsibility of picking the question this week for Damien to answer. And on the back of WrestleMania and the performance of Bad Bunny in particular, the impressive performance that I think surprised quite a few people as to how good he was, my question to you, Damien, is where would you rate Bad Bunny's match with other celebrity matches in the past? Yeah, so I've, I've had a couple of days to think about this. I did a little bit of research, and the reason I used that transition was obviously Pat McAfee had some uh, quite good NXT matches. Obviously, I didn't watch them at the time, and I feel like with those matches, you really had to be invested in the story to kind of get the full drama. They were very heavily story oriented. Yeah. Um, but I did want to mention them as being very a very good use of a celebrity. Uh, another one from recently is Shaquille O'Neal over on AEW. 
that was a, such an unexpected thing to see on Twitter that day. I hadn't been following the story and, and saw all <laughs> of the uh, the tweets and stuff, and I was like, wait, what? Having looked over some of the celebrity matches and things like that, I'm, I'm going to say that for me personally, and people are uh, completely fine to disagree if uh, they have a different opinion, but I've got to put Bad Bunny as top tier. Might not necessarily be the best, but for what we got out of it, like it's a top tier involvement by a celebrity. He had respect for the business to learn what he was doing. The match had some spots that we'll probably be talking about for a long time. I like especially the uh, Canadian Destroyer. Like that's gonna be something that gets talked about a lot. That was pretty and epic. That's kind of all you can really hope for from a celebrity involvement. So I'm, I'm going to say top tier. There is a couple I didn't look spe- at specifically because of the forfeit uh, for the predictions where I have to watch all the WrestleManias. I do know that Mr. T is involved in some stories <laughs> in the in the early WrestleManias. I didn't want to spoil that for myself, so I didn't watch any of them. So who knows? Maybe... His is going to be phenomenal and going to be like the very best. But yeah, what I did see, I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it top tier, just because we didn't expect much. We kind of got a little bit each week of new stuff, and yeah, I think we're not going to. I think we're going to be talking about it for a while. It's kind of set the the bar of the modern day. There hasn't been one on WWE main roster for a long time. That like, even close to it, I don't think. I'd completely agree. It was just for the shock factor alone of how good yeah. he was and how dedicated he was. Absolutely top tier for me. One of the better celebrity matches. May not be the best, but yes, absolutely one of the best. So for one of the rare occasions, I do completely agree with you here. So I think that concludes this week's podcast. I think so. It's a bit I of a long one. Uh, yeah, and it well, it's felt like a very long week in the world of wrestling and WWE especially. From what started off as an amazing week coming off of WrestleMania, went to a turgid Raw and the horrible announcements of releases on Thursday and then there was SmackDown. So it's been it's been a week in wrestling, so thanks for listening everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next week. Over to Damien with the socials. Yeah, as always, if you'd like to leave us a comment on anything we've discussed in this week's show, or if you'd like to follow along as I watch and review every WrestleMania, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Figure4UK. We'll be posting updates there fairly frequently. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, if that's your platform of choice, at the Figure Forecast. And we have a YouTube channel. Not much is on there at the moment, but hopefully there'll be some more stuff shortly. And that is The Figure Forecast. Those are the socials we have at the moment. Hopefully you can join us over there as well. Thank you all for listening and goodbye from us.